0: God, as we move into this week, we pray that you just give us clarity, clarity about who you are, clarity about what you have done. And Lord, I pray that you just continue to do that awakening movement in us. They see your grace freely for us, so that we may live in your truth, so that we may live knowing that we are your sons and daughters, and that we stand with our brother Jesus as he goes to the cross for us. So, Lord, we ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. You know, uh, we started this uh, journey of Lent with well, the idea of, of grabbing a hold of the book, Listen to Him by J.D. Walt, to do a daily text. And I know several of you have, have been going through that book and everything, and, and I'm thankful that you have. And a lot of you have joined us online, either at 7 or, or later on during the day, to, to hear those words. And, and part of that daily text came with a, a sermon plan for... The, uh, the, the season of Lent. And, and we've been following that plan, taking a listen to, to the words that Jesus has for each and every one of us. And, and if you are like me, a lot of those plans, they, they, they've given you comfort. A lot of those plans have also challenged you. A lot of those plans have, have given you a way to, you know, give you fired up and get moving through the day. And then some of those plans gave you the opportunity to go, what does it really mean for me to be a follower of Jesus? I'll have to admit, this week I, I've really struggled with this text for two reasons. Number one, it's Palm Sunday. And, and, and we, we know the story of Palm Sunday. We've heard it year. After year after year. And I was just thinking, what is it that God wants me to bring this year to help make the task of listening to Jesus come clearer? And one of the things that I realized is that there, there should be a warning that comes with Holy Week. And that warning is that it is necessary for us to put back those preconceived notions that we have for Holy Week. We must, each year, stop from saying, I've heard this before. I I know where this is going. I, I, I know the story, so we'll just wave the palm branches, we'll do the worship service, and let's just get to resurrection. But that's not what this time is about. I so wanted to make this message about the command Jesus said, you know, the Lord needs it, and about donkeys, and and, and kind of like what what Wada did with the young disciples, the the victory and and the, the thing that we see that's coming. But I felt it's important for us this year in particular to hold on to the lamenting aspect of Lent, to say, you know, we're not there yet. We can't fully celebrate Easter until we walk through the passion. We can't fully celebrate Easter until we stop and see Jesus and all of the steps towards the cross. You know, I have several memories of our trip to the Holy Land. You know, I, I've, I've had the fortune to go twice. Once by myself, man, over 12 years ago. And then two years ago, we took a group from the church. And and both of those trips really blessed me. And there was one place, there's a whole bunch of places there. But there was one place that, that really, when I think of, of Palm Sunday, I, I, I really visually see now, and it's there on the Mount of Olives, where where the, our passage for today takes us as Jesus goes down the Mount of Olives to to head towards Jerusalem. There, there is a church there in the middle of the Mount of Olives. I actually, see some people who took the trip. I see them starting to nod because they remember this, and, and, and this place is called the Dominus Flevit. And this is called the, the church where Jesus wept. And, and these different images that we have here takes a look, and, and the little images that you see on the top of each of the quarters are, are places where, where, where people would hold their tears whenever somebody would die and they would place them in, in the tomb. But, but the, I think for, the, for me, one of the most breathtaking views is when you go into the sanctuary, or this little chapel, and and you see this window, and this window is facing Jerusalem. And it gives you a picture or a point of reference that that when Jesus was coming down the mountain and, and getting ready to head into Jerusalem where he would be turned over, suffered, scourged, whipped, beaten all of those things, and then finally taken out to the cross to die. He stopped, and he wept right here. So I'm going to go a look back a little bit to our passage that we read already this morning to Luke chapter uh, 19, starting at verse 41 through 44. And this is what the writer Luke says happened as Jesus approached this particular place. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The day will come upon you when your enemy will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. See, Jesus is looking over Jerusalem, and he's, saying, and he's prophesying over them. He's saying, there's going to be a day, and that day happened. Or Jerusalem was entirely surrounded and they were taken over and the temple was destroyed. And Jesus says to them, this happened because you did not recognize that I was here. The Savior of the world is in your midst and you failed to acknowledge me. That Jesus moves on anyway and goes into Jerusalem. You know, it's interesting in the Gospels, it's noted that three specific times where Jesus we- weeps. Now, there, there, there's a couple of other passages where we think Jesus was cr- crying that in, in the, in, when he talks about Jerusalem, but, but, but three places where we do know specifically that tears fell. This is one of them. The other one is probably the most famous place where we see where Jesus wept, where he was at the tomb of Lazarus. And if you're familiar with that story, Lazarus was a, was a close friend of his with Mary and, and Martha, and, and, and people come to him because Lazarus is sick, and Jesus said, Yeah, we'll, we'll be there. Everything's going to be just fine. And then he finally shows up four days later. Lazarus is dead, and Jesus goes out to Lazarus' tomb. And that's where we have the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty-five, where it says, Jesus wept. And then the last time that we see that Jesus is crying is when he's at the Garden of Gethsemane where he has Peter, James, and John near him falling asleep. Remember that kind of analogy all the way back to the very first sermon where we talked about Jesus up on the mountain transfiguration. And they had Peter, James, and John with them. And, and what were they doing? They were sleeping. When Moses and Elijah showed up, well, here we, here we are again on a different mountain, different place, different situation. But again, his disciples have fallen asleep beside him. And we see Jesus saying, take this cup from me. But, you know, I think it's, it's important to know that I think Jesus wept a whole lot more than we, we give him credit for. All we have to do is look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, where we read, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And it was heard because of his reverent submission. I think Jesus spent a lot of time crying. Because he knew why he was there on earth and he saw that the people around him weren't giving him not, the, not really the credit he deserved, but not really heeding or listening to what it was that, that Jesus was telling them had to be a hard thing. It had to be a very hard thing for our Savior to do, to to know that that he was coming to give words that bring eternal life. And have the people that he was there to, to give those words to turn and go their own way. You know, I think knowing that the Son of God took a look at at the creation around him and wept gives us a better understanding of God's nature and what God is calling us to do. And it's important for us to remember two specific things about weeping. The first thing is that it is not a sign of weakness. I I know there are times... (laughs) talking to some people after funerals, and you all know that I can get a little weepy at funerals. But that's okay. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of compassion. It's a sign that that we we hold on to to know, I think, the truth that we preach about during those moments. Weeping happens all throughout Scripture. And some of the, the strongest people that we think about in Scripture, they weeped. You go all the way back to Genesis, to the story of Joseph, where all of the things that he went through being being thrown into a pit by his brothers and then dragged to, to Egypt and, and having Potiphar's wife accuse him of doing things, being thrown into jail, spending several years in jail, and then finally when he gets to the status, he, he sees his brothers in front of him and, and he's talking to them and, and he, he goes off into another room and he weeps because he sees his brothers. And then finally, when, he, when he's re- rejoined re, uh, with them again, and, and he, he reveals his identity, he weeps with them. King David, oh my word. You want to talk about somebody who cried? It's all over. 2 Samuel. All of the times that David wept, even over Jonathan, over Abner, over the loss of one of his sons who tried to kill him. David wept all the time, and nobody looks at him as a, a, as a weak person. And then Nehemiah, after the city has been laid to ruin, and Nehemiah is there trying to rebuild the city, with, with, with a sword in one hand, with, with a, 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 a hammer in another to repair the walls. He is weeping because he knows what God is calling him to do. Second, we know that weeping isn't a denial of faith. Sometimes we say that if we, it, it, some people think that if you cry, it means that your faith is weak. But it's not that at all. Just this look at the example of Jesus and Lazarus. Jesus knew that Lazarus would live. And and even told his disciples that on the way to the tomb. But then when Jesus got to the tomb, he wept. The author of life, the one who has authority over death, he wept. And, and while he was there at the grave, he, he publicly prayed, saying, Lord, I'm doing this not because of me or not because you need to hear from me. I'm doing this so the people around you will hear that Lazarus will live again. And then Jesus wept. So it's not weakness. It's not a denial of faith. It is a sign that you desire to have the heart of God. It it is a sign that that you want to to express what it is that, that God is laying on your heart. And I think that's why weeping is important during this season of Lent, especially as we move our way towards the cross. We see Jesus weeping with his followers. We see Jesus weeping with with each and every one of us. When times and life is so hard that you just don't know if you can even get out of bed and, and move forward. Or when unthinkable things happen in your life. Or when you feel like the whole world is against you. Jesus is weeping with us. That, that's why he came. You know, we see in, in John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his home among us because he wanted to know. He wanted to feel like we feel. He, he wanted to experience life like we have ex- experienced, that, you know, he got a whole lot more than that, didn't he? I am thankful that, that I don't want people, that, at least that I know of, that nobody wants to stone me or whip me or, or hang me up on a cross, but that is what Jesus has done for us. See, part of that dwelling or closeness in Christ means that, that he is there in the midst of our sorrows. It means that when times are tough, when times are hard, Jesus is with us. I also think it shows that Jesus weeps for his followers. I think one of the biggest sins that we fall into, and whenever I talk about this, you know, I hope you all know that I'm not trying to point fingers anywhere. The, the finger that I'm pointing at is right here and the biggest sin that that we deal with is the sin of self-sufficiency and that's thinking that we can do this without him you know there are many times in my life where I think to myself if I just do this if I just do that if I just do one more thing everything is going to be fine and then you do all of those things and then you realize well things aren't fine It's because who have I tried to lean on? Did I try to lean on me? Or did I try to lean on Jesus? Jesus weeps for his followers because we are lost in sin. And what I mean by that is that, you know, we think that we are doing things just fine on our own. Again, part of that self-sufficiency, but when we continue to live in sin, we say, God, I don't need you. I'm going to hold on to this because that is what gets me through the day. But it doesn't. It doesn't give us life. It just eats a hole inside of us, and we try to find more and more to fill our emptiness. Finally, Jesus weeps for his opponents. And, you know, I think this is one of the things that we fail to do in this country is that we fail to weep for our opponents. We love to accuse. We love to definitely point out the way that they're absolutely wrong and we're absolutely right. But we do fail to want to weep over our opponents and and to give compassion just like Jesus gave compassion to those who were against him. We, uh, our daily text for today, the stories about Jesus and those that were, uh, were against him. They came to uh, trap him with a couple of questions. First of all, was with, with some money, what should we give to Caesar? Should we pay taxes? And, and Jesus said, well, what, is, what do the coins say? And Jesus reminds him, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. See, it is, it is so easy to try to, to separate those two things. But they come together. They come together because we are called to weep for those that, that we have things against. As Jesus wept, for those who were planning and plotting to kill him. As Jesus wept, because the city that he loved, the city that, that he came to, he knew would be destroyed because they failed to recognize that God was there. And then finally, Jesus weeps with us as we weep for the world. We live in a broken world. We we lament at the state of the world. And and instead of trying to figure out which political stance we need to be holding on to, we need to start asking the question, what is it that Christ is asking me to do? Instead of trying to hold on to the power that we have or, or try to gain the power that we have lost... When Jesus says, those who lose their life for my sake will gain it. Those who lay their lives down because of me will be lifted up. Not so that we can lord it over our opponents or load it over the, the other side of the aisle, but to say, no, I hold on to Christ And the brokenness inside of me doesn't define who I am, and the brokenness of the world around us doesn't define the world that we live in. But the love and the truth and the compassion of Christ is what guides us and leads us, especially as we move towards the cross. Jesus didn't stop at Luke nineteen forty-one. Jesus could have easily just, just stood there and wept over Jerusalem and went, okay, well, I'm done, let's go. No, Jesus moved towards the cross. Jesus moved towards the cross knowing that this is what he must do. And my friends, this Lenten season, I pray that we, take the opportunity to press on to the cross and press on towards Christ. So I would invite the band to come forward. And we're going to end Palm Sunday a little bit differently than we have before, really more differently than we've ended any of our worship services. We're going to go ahead and start the process by stripping the altar. Letting this be the reminder that that we aren't just moving towards Easter and and we're at resurrection just yet, but we are going to take this week to reflect on on those last steps of Jesus as he comes from this point where he wept into the city and then dragged to Pilate and then dragged to Herod, back to Pilate again, and then down the Via Dolorosa to the cross. And, And as we do that, I invite you to take a moment in prayer. I invite you to stop and reflect. How can I give my life fully to Christ? So that it is Christ that lives in me. And after we sing and after the benediction, I'm going to ask you to do something that may be really hard for some of you to do. And that's to leave in silence, to walk out these doors, knowing that we leave this place in remembrance of the one who gave his life for us, of the one who, who died for us, so that we may have life and life abundantly. If you would like some time in prayer after the benediction is over, I will be up here by the prayer rail and you are welcome to come forward and I'll be happy to pray with you or if you just want to pray by yourself you can do that or if you want to be anointed with oil I'll be more than happy to do that just to give the opportunity to to live in this moment because my friends if we don't live in this moment I don't think we fully can grasp what resurrection means to us let us pray Oh, God, we come this Palm Sunday. Normally, we, we, we shout Hosanna, we, we, we celebrate the triumphant entry, and then we leave it at there. But, Lord, as our scripture reminds us, there is a lot more than Hosanna here. There is lament. There is sadness. There, there is the understanding that we have been separated from you, and you continue to call us back. So, Lord, I pray that this year, this, this holy week, you help us to reflect and see where we have gone astray. Help us to see you weeping over us, not as a judge, but as our high priest washing us of our sins with your tears as we come to the cross. So Lord, as we, as we stand and as we sing, allow this worship to fully connect with us so that you come and fill our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.